Good afternoon. Good afternoon and good afternoon to you wherever you may be joining us from. Whether you're watching us live right now or you're listening via podcast, we welcome you. You are listening to the Father's Table Podcast. This is a segment we call Midday Burn, a time where we just gather in the middle of the day. We had midday meditation, but this is Midday Burn where we take a dive and a look at particular scriptures that we believe the Lord will use to set us ablaze for the remainder of the day, for this week, for the time ahead, that it will cause us to burn in greater measure for him. Well, welcome. I am your host, Ronnell Tate, and I happen to also be the lead pastor of the Father's House in Frisco, Texas, of which this is the Father's House, Frisco, podcast we call it the father's table so we welcome you this beautiful friday and the song that you were just hearing oh it is so applicable today are you on the lord's side who is on the lord's side but we pray that wherever you are you are having a tremendous day in the presence of the lord that you are being renewed reinvigorated for the days and the fight that is in front of us truly there is a fight in front of us there is a space and a place that you and i must begin to occupy a space and a place that you and i must step into because there is a cause in this hour and in this day with everything around us, with everything that's taking place, all that you may hear in passing or if you watch the news that is taking place, is there any greater hour than for the sons and the daughters of God to step into their place, to know what the Lord has called them to be and what he has called them to do? Is there any greater hour than right now? I think not. So we welcome you this Friday, wherever you're joining in from, if you could just, or whatever platform you are watching on, just share that. Tell us where you're, where you're joining in from and then share this on whatever. We are live on YouTube. We're live on Vimeo. We, of course, are live on our website as well as our app. And we're live on um, the Father's Table podcast on Facebook, as well as my personal page on Facebook. So tell us where you're watching from. Uh, I don't have in front of me the chat, but I will look back at it. And uh, we're going to work diligently to get this chat up in front of me on a consistent basis so I can see it and respond while we're doing the podcast. But again, welcome. This is a wonderful Friday. I am coming to you from, as I mentioned, Frisco, Texas. Mine and my family's home. It's the place that the Lord sent us nine years ago, a little more than nine years ago, to establish his work here in this region. And we're so grateful to be here, honored that the Lord would allow us to run with him to do his desires and his plans. And this is just one part of that is in this hour, in this day, when we have so much in front of us, so much that scrolls apart, uh, uh, in front of our social media pages, 
We spend so much time on YouTube and the like, gaining and seeing information that is not edifying, that does not lead us into the kingdom of God. It is our desire to simply create content, to be here just to lend our voice along with the numerous other great men and women of God, generals who are sharing what is upon the heart of God. It is our desire to do the same. And that's where the father's table originated. It is just this place where sons and daughters who sit at the table of the father, they declare and they share what they hear the father whisper in their ears. So we welcome you. It is beautiful here in Frisco. Going to be rather warm day to day, going up to about 90 something, 94, 93 degrees. It's beautiful, sunny. And we're excited to be before you. So let's pray and then we'll jump into what I believe. What is in front of us from the Lord. Father, we love you. And we're so honored that you would give us the privilege, the opportunity to share your word, to come together, to exalt you and to honor you and to lift you up, to magnify you. We thank you for this privilege. We thank you for this honor. Now we ask that you would have your way today. Holy Spirit, move even while we're in the midst of this podcast. For those who are listening, let signs and wonders, miracles break out even while we're speaking, while we're diving into your scripture. Let wonders break out. Let signs that point to you break break out. Let miracles take place. Let deliverances happen as a testimony to the preaching of your word. Have your way. Heal hearts. Transform minds that have been bound by religion. Set them free. And allow us to burn for you today. In ways that maybe we have not. But allow us to burn. Let our hearts be reignited afresh and anew. That you might have your way. That you might have the just reward of your suffering. And truly that your kingdom might be established wherever we are currently on this earth. In Jesus name. Amen. I forget the date. Looking to see if I have the book that mentions this particular date of this story that I'm about to mention. And I don't see it right off the top of just quickly glancing at one of my bookshelves. But there were two men <clears throat> who, in the 1800s, young men, um, for the sake of reference, we would consider them Caucasian white we use those terms and I personally just personally I don't like them and you'll understand a little more in a minute here why to some degree they decided that they wanted to go to the island of Moravia because there was slave traders who would stop there on their journey westward into the islands and to America. 
there was one trader in general who had set up an outpost and a home and he had slaves on this island. And they wanted to go there to share the gospel of Jesus. Yet this man who was a self who owned the island and brought slaves there was a self-professed atheist. And he declared that there would not be any Christians allowed on his island to share the gospel of Christ. So these two young men in their 20s, I believe, who were not slaves, who were never going to be slaves, these two young men who had their life ahead of them, of success in front of them, of great things that they potentially were going to do for the Lord and in society for their families, decided that since he was not going to allow Christians on the island freely to preach, that they would sell themselves into slavery that they might share the gospel with the African slaves that were on this island of Moravia. Their families, when they made this decision and told their families what they were intending to do, pleaded with them to not do it. But their hearts were set. They were burning to give the Lord what his suffering upon the cross dictated that he deserved. And on the ship, as they were preparing to leave, knowing that it was a one-way ticket that they purchased, knowing that as they went, they would never see their families again. They would never see the shores of freedom again. That their life would be bound in chains. Dictated by another man's dictates. And yet they were completely free on the inside. And they got on the ship against the pleas of their families not to and the cries of their family and the tears. And as the ship pulled away from its harbor, these two men yelled back at their families, may the Lord receive the reward of his sufferings. Their hearts were burning for Jesus. Burning to give him what he deserved, no matter the cost to themselves, no matter the cost to their families, no matter the cost in this life, their hearts burned.
if you remember in the scriptures, <clears throat> in John's gospel, when Jesus rose from the grave, there were two disciples on the walking on their way to Emmaus. The Bible says they were on the road to Emmaus and they were sad. They were downcast because the Lord had been crucified and they were hearing stories and they didn't know if it were true. And Jesus shows up. They don't know it's him. And paraphrasing, Jesus says to them, why are you looking so sorrowful? Why are you speaking like this? And they said to him, are you the only man who has not been in Israel? Have you not heard what is taking place? How they have crucified the Lord Jesus, etc." And the Bible says that Jesus began to expound to them and open the scriptures from the beginning to the end to show them, them why these things ought to happen and they had to happen. And it says that as they drew near Emmaus, the day was almost spent. It was almost over that Jesus indicated to them that he would have gone on further. But the King James, New King James Version says, but they constrained him. And it says, when they sat down in the house to eat, their eyes were open and they knew it was the Lord. And in an instant, he translated and left from their midst. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn? within us as we dive into the scriptures this morning my question to you is this <clears throat> does your heart burn for him does your heart burn to see the master receive the full reward of his suffering. No matter the cost. Does your heart burn because you've heard him speaking to you and you're aware that the things that are transpiring in our society and all around us, they have been written aforetime for our warning. Jesus, the disciple said in Matthew 24, in Luke 21, what will be the sign of your coming? In Matthew 24, Jesus says, see that you be not deceived. And he goes on to begin to explain to them all of the things that will take place in society before his return. And there's one thing that he says that is so interesting to me. He says there will be wars, there will be deceptions, there will be rumors of wars, there will be pestilences, plagues, there will be famines, there will be earthquakes, there will be all of these things, men rising up against men. And he says this, see that your heart not be troubled. Oh, I take liberty right now, if you will allow me to say that the only way for our hearts to not be troubled 
is if our hearts burn for him. Do our hearts burn to be with him in the place that he has called prayer? Which is simply the avenue that he has given us to step into the realm of the spirit where he is to be with him. Do our hearts burn for his word on a daily basis to receive of his principles, his truth, his life? Do our hearts burn to give him our life as it is written in Romans 8? Let me read it for you. I'll go there. Had not planned on doing this so much. Bible is elsewhere, but may the Lord have his way. Romans. Wrong verse. Wrong chapter. Sorry. Romans verse chapter 12, not eight. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, ah, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. It is what those two men did, the Moravian missions. A living sacrifice, holy, ah, does our heart burn for holiness and purity? You know, my heart right now burns just on a personal level for my children to live in a space and a place of holiness that I was never taught, my wife was never taught to live in. It burns for them to experience and live in this space and place of holiness where their eyes are undefiled their ears are undefiled we uh, and I'll give you an example no I won't I'll leave it holy acceptable do our hearts burn to live in such a way that our lives are acceptable to him or do we simply want to be acceptable to others around us and look at what he says this is the new king james which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world ah oh. How we as the body have conformed so much over the decades. How we have been deceived into conforming while calling it love. While it has simply been toleration of evil in our midst. We're to present our bodies, present ourselves as living sacrifices. I burn to give you the reward of your suffering. Here is my life. 
Let it become what you desire. I burn that my life becomes what you desire. Do I burn for that or do I burn for fame, money, wealth? To be known of people. Oh, there's a brother Andrews who spent 30 years of his life on the shores of Lake Michigan in Evanston, Illinois. 30 years because the Lord told him to pray every night from 10 p.m. to at least 5, 6 a.m. for the United States of America. 30 years he spent on his knees alone. The last 12 years of his life, he never left his home. This is after the Lord had called him and sent him to Israel and he had a ministry and he had partners, people who partnered to send him and he's beginning to take Hebrew. And the Lord says to him, go back to America. And he says, Lord, you just sent me here. What will I say to the partners and the people? And the Lord says, go back. And there I will tell you what I want you to do. Living sacrifices. It is written the story and um, Leonard Ravenhill, thank you Holy Spirit. Leonard Ravenhill is the one who tells the story about this that I heard and he says he went to be with this man and he says you walked into his presence. He never preached on a pulpit but you walked in and you knew you were amongst the general of God. 30 years of praying by himself. He said, when they came to take his body out, after he had transitioned to be with the Lord, he said it was the first time he had been out of his home in 12 years. And that there were grooves that were dug into the wood floor by his bedside where his knees had been on a nightly basis. Do we burn? Or has our heart grown cold or it simply smolders as the fire is going out? Do we burn to give him what he desires? Do we burn that we won't be conformed to a world, but a world will conform to the fire of God that is upon us? Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Burning for him. So that's my question for us. That's my question today. Do we burn? Do you? You must answer this for yourself. Being honest with you. Does my heart burn for him? Are there areas that burn and others that do not? Do I burn for prosperity, king the kingdom way, but I don't for healing, for deliverance, for holiness? If there's areas but other areas that are not, then my whole heart is not burning and I am not on fire. Do I burn for him? Or has life and my apathy, my lack of pursuit of him 
cause me to grow lukewarm. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 23, I believe. He says, I would wish that you are hot, burning, or cold. He says, but because you are lukewarm, I will spew you, the King James. Another translation says, vomit you out of my mouth. Anyone who's in food service or deals with food greatly knows it is the lukewarm state where all diseases decay takes place. If something is cold, you know how it must be heated. And if something is hot, it's the life that he desires for us. The burning heart. Midday burn. The passage that of scripture outside of what we have just given for our few minutes is Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 through 15 and I have three others that just add add to that for further reference and connotation for clarity but Joshua midday burn are we burning Just want to, I don't know about you, but I do these podcasts, yes, because the Lord has given an assignment to my life, but I want to further burn as well. And even while I sit in this chair to share and to teach, I want him to cause me to burn in ways that maybe I'm not or am unaware of. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 I'm going to read this right now out of the New American Standard and it's for the sake of because I'm using my my Bibles right now when I should be uh, it would probably be easier if I just pulled it up on my software on my laptop but I didn't and I won't take the time right now to do that. But Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. This is Israel under Joshua's command beginning to enter into the promised land. Deuteronomy, Moses is preparing them for that and he's telling them that you're going to go and this is what the Lord requires of you and this is the life you're to live and these are the things that you're supposed to do. Deuteronomy, the second giving we've called it of the law. It is this book of remembrance saying, look, this is what the Lord wants you to live by. I love Deuteronomy 10, 12. I've been teaching out of that verse for the last several months or as a foundational verse. Moses says, O Israel, what does the Lord require of you? He says that you would fear him. He gives him five requirements that all tie together. They all revolve around the fear of the Lord, which is the first command. 
And he says, this is when you're going into the promised land as Joshua will be your leader as I cannot go. Because of his not hallowing or exalting the Lord at, at Meribah. He says, what does the Lord require of you? That you walk in the fear of him. Two, that you walk in all of his ways. Three, that you love him. Four, that you serve him in everything. And five, that you keep his commandments and his statutes. And so here, Joshua is crossing over and they're preparing for everything. And this is what he says in verse 13. Excuse me. Now it came about. Excuse me again, something in my eye. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho, New American Standard. That he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing opposite with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, listen to what Joshua asked. Are you for us or for our adversaries? Hmm. And he said, this angel of the Lord said, no, rather, I indeed come now as captain of the Lord of hosts. And Joshua fell on his face and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. There's this. What he says there. I believe the new King James says when he asks him, are you for us or our enemies, our adversaries? And it says neither. Here's the second question today. Whose side are you on? Now we played the song at the beginning before we came live. Are you on the Lord's side? Whose side are you on? Why? Because I believe looking across the earth today, looking in our own nation, that tribalism is attempting to replace the way of the Lord. Joshua's natural inclination was to say, we are preparing for war. His natural inclination is to ask, whose side are you on? Are you for us? Or are you for our enemies? This is what tribalism does. But there was another answer to the question. And the angel of the Lord says, I'm on neither yours or your enemies. I'm on the side of the Lord. Now, remember, it is the Lord who has sent the children of Israel to possess the promised land. 
It is the Lord who has chosen Joshua as his leader. Naturally thinking from our standpoint, we would think that the angel of the Lord would say, I am for you, Joshua. But there was a, there was another view, another vantage point that was introduced here is that Joshua should have been asking, am I on the Lord's side? Because we can be believers. We can be his children. We can be those who carry his name and not be on his side. Are you for us or our enemies? It is why in Isaiah, he tells us Isaiah 55, I believe. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. They're higher, he says. My thoughts are higher. My ways are higher. Which means there is a way that man has. Proverbs even says it. There is a way unto man. But that way, if he continues in it, will lead him to death. There is another way. And I believe today that the enemy is attempting to get us to forfeit God's way. To simply look at our way and expect God to join sides with what we feel here in the earth. Tribalism at its finest. What do I mean by tribalism? In, on the continent of Africa, there are tribes in various nations. Let's take Nigeria, who is prom being elevated in a sense by the Lord and prominent in many ways. But they're made up of tribes all over. And those tribes, if you're a member of those tribes, you fight for your way and your voice. It is from my understanding that even when it comes down to elections, and for years Nigeria has been considered one of the most crooked nations on the face of the earth, and yet right in the midst of the wickedness and the decadence and the evil, the Lord is raising up mighty men and women of God. But it is my understanding that even when it comes down to elections, people will vote based on their tribe, not what's best for the nation. Tribalism. If you're of me, then I love you. But if you're not of me, of my tribe, of my ethnos, of my background, of my belief system, then I want nothing to do with you. Even if what you are saying is right, it's true, it's beneficial, whatever it may be, tribalism. We see it here in America, and I'm, I'm sure in so many places across the globe, you're hearing it. Liberal, 
versus conservative tribalism. Liberals say they have the right way. Conservative are saying we have God's way. But maybe we should pause and say, are you for us if I'm a liberal? Or are you for my enemy, the conservative? Or if I'm a conservative, Lord, are you for me? Or are you for my enemy, the liberal? We've become this way where we've chosen sides. But too often we've chosen the wrong side. Are you for us? Or for our enemies. Are you for us? The problem is. Is that the Lord. Is on neither side. He is waiting for us to burn so deeply. That we choose his way and his side above everyone else. Oh I understand that. In a lot of respects you will have liberals who say. Here in America at least. They will say, but we want to create programs to help people. And that's what they stand. It is that standard that they started their walk. And conservatives will say, but we have taken this side against the evils that have been legislated out of this creating programs for people. And both sides, whether it's Republican or Democrat here in here in the United States, think they're right. We have a great divide upon donkeys and elephants, red and blue. But my question, the question we ought to be asking is, am I? On his side. Oh, I, I totally agree. I am against abortion. Uh, and I probably shouldn't say that word on the social media, but it doesn't matter. And they, it will get a backlash from someone who says, well, what about the... I know it's under 2%, whether it's one point whatever or zero point whatever percent of rape or incest that causes it. Yes, I understand and I'm for Israel. This morning we, in prayer, we were praying for Israel and Jerusalem. But that doesn't mean that every conservative in our nation, the Republican Party, that it is completely right or righteous. It doesn't mean that the liberals, the Democratic Party is righteous. But the Lord's way is righteous. We have been divided in our nation along color skin color line and we have taken sides even in the body of Christ we're sadly to say that many who would be considered black or African American too many have put their 
race above the kingdom. And too many who would be considered white or Caucasian have put their nationalistic attitude above the kingdom way. We've been divided along these lines, tribalism, poor versus wealthy. The uh, elimination of the middle class is underway. We've been divided and separated into these tribes. And you can go on and on. We went in 2020 and 2021 from vax and anti-vax tribes. And we argued and we warred and we fought with one another over whether you were on the vax side or whether you were on the anti-vax pro, you know, against vaccine side. We warred against it. Oh, and I just said another word that might flag oh well tribalism tribalism are you pro lgbtq plus or are you anti are you a lover or a hate monger it's these categories tribes uh, this wasn't in my notes not a scripture in my notes but revelation um I believe it's 1210. For the accuser of the brethren comes before the Lord day and night to accuse the brethren. This word accuser is the word categorio, where we get our word for categories. The accuser is the one who places people into categories. There is a division along gender lines. Men, women. There's a division along so many lines that we could get into. But it is tribalism. And at its root, it's demonic. Are you for us? Or for the one that we're against? Wherever I may fit in. A wife who has a problem with a husband. Are you for me as a wife, a woman? Or are you against? and against men men who have problems are you for us we 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 have these divisions it goes so far that this divide in what has for years been fun competition in sports has now become violent because we've completely separated along team lines ah oh, we there's so much that the enemy is attempted and the Lord is saying. I am the angel of the Lord said, I am on the Lord's side. Joshua bows before him. Are you and I on the Lord's side? I want to read this scripture. This is where this tribalism began. Genesis 11 verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Let me, I, with that statement, that scripture, the whole earth had one language and one speech. The goal of tribalism is to get us into this place where everyone is the same. We think the same. We speak the same. 
we attempt to look the same. We remove our differences with which are make us unique in the Lord. It's to remove this uniqueness, this image of God within us. Have you noticed? If you disagree with anyone on anything, all of a sudden what was a friendly exchange can quickly turn into war. Quickly. Simply because I don't fully agree with you on that. Simply because I may not accept the lifestyle you have chosen. Simply because I don't look like you. It is, it is amazing to me. I, I can remember um, years ago, I had an exchange with an individual, uh, a friend of mine. asked me to come over to join him in ministering to a man who was staying uh, in this building that he was staying in. And I joined him. And this gentleman in the beginning was so great. It was a great conversation. But in the middle of it, I heard, heard the word of the Lord for him. And when you hear the Lord speak, you're obligated to speak it no matter what it feels like or no matter the fear of the person rejecting you or whatever. And when we do not do it, we're in disobedience. And so I shared with him what the Lord was saying. And obviously the word I shared with him was a bullseye and it was accurate because he quickly shifted and changed. <laughs> and he began to throw out insults at me. He called me this N word. And I don't have a problem saying it, but I don't want to offend anyone on here. I've already said a couple of words that social media will be like, Oh, and I said to him, without being upset about it or angry over it, is that the Lord is no longer ob obligated to send you anyone else who will speak to you concerning what he desires for you to do. But he will probably out of his goodness. But I said to him, you don't get to judge or you don't get to determine the package that he sends it to you in. See, all of a sudden, because my skin tone was darker than him and I was bringing the correcting word of the Lord. I, I didn't know. I was just what I heard him say and was given to him. He didn't like it now. Maybe if the package were different, he would receive it. See, for some of us, we don't realize that there is a prejudice that lies inside of us that will receive something from the Lord if it comes in a certain package. For some of us as men, if it's a man, man who's delivering it, I'll receive it. But if it's a woman, I won't. Tribalism. For some of us as women, we don't 
uh, respect the male's authority because of things that have happened in our past. And if it comes in uh, from a man, we won't receive it. But if it comes from a woman, I'll, I'll receive it. Tribalism. Are we on his side? He determines the package. He determines what is said. Uh, Genesis 11, as I'm running out of time. Now the whole earth, and my wife said this to me this morning. I, I said to her, right after prayer, I said to my wife, you know, I hadn't jot, I had to jot down a couple of other little notes. And she said, you don't ever use your notes anyway. I said, honey, I do. I I will start with at least one scripture and I will at least give that scripture. And she said, yeah, but you'll be three hours on that one point. I said, but yeah, but I started with my notes. <laughs> now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Drop down to verse four. Well, I'll read it. I'll read verse two. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. Verse four. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Least we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down, he says. And they're confused. There it is. Confusion. Babylon. Babel. Confused. Their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased, ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because there, there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. You know what the Lord, he desires us to be united, us to have unity. He tells us that in Psalms. But it's when we are in unity in him, in his way. Not when we are united to do purposes that are not his. The enemy is looking to bring us, is to remove the unique expression of God within us and upon us. That he might make us one again. To do his bidding and his will. Babel. Babylon. Confusion. If you look at the things that are taking place and the things that are rearing their head in our society. So many of them are rooted in confusion. They make no sense. And yet we're being drawn into them and away from the desires of the Lord. Are you and I on the Lord's side? This is where tribalism began. To make everyone look the same, sound the same, to remove the unique expression 
in the, of the Lord upon us that we might do his bidding, but that we might do the enemy's bidding. I want to read another scripture so we can see what the Lord says about this. Mark, just a couple, and then we'll be done. Are you on the Lord's side? Mark chapter 9, verse 38. John said to him, teacher, he says, we saw, look at this. We saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. Oh. He didn't go to our church. He wasn't a part of our ministry group, so we're in competition with them. We have the marketplace on deliverance. So if you're going to do deliverance, you need to come to this ministry or this place. You need to be a part of us. Right? But Jesus said, do not hinder him. For there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. Whose side are we on today? That has to be a question that we ask ourselves. The moment we want to go and judge, the moment we want to go and criticize, the moment we have something to say, whose side are we on? Well, I, I really like this ministry. Ooh, I, this is, I really am drawn to this prophet, this apostle. But that doesn't make this other prophet or apostle wrong. If we look in the Old Testament, look in scripture, there were many prophets who walked the earth during the same time period and overlapped. And they all had the word of the Lord. For that region, that city, that king, that whatever. All of us have a purpose, a design and calling in the great plan of the Lord. And wherever he has placed me and called me to be for that hour in that day. Doesn't mean now I have to be against or in competition with everyone else. Does it mean that because I really am drawn and ministered to by this one ministry, that now I can't listen to others? That now I cannot receive from others? I'll read it again. John said to him, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. He's performing deliverance. And the disciples said, and we tried to prevent him. Because he wasn't of us. Jesus says, I may be the Messiah. 
but I didn't just come just for you and you alone. He told us that in John 10, that there are others of this fold who must come. There are others in the kingdom of God doing mighty works that we have never heard of. There are others scattered across the earth who have been anointed, who have great power, who carry authority that we may not know anything about. And yet we are family. Consider the sheer number, the great number of men, women of God that might not be on your radar, that you may have never heard of, but one day you will stand in the great company of witnesses you will stand before the master with an innumerable number of people who have done the will of the Lord. Many who have gone before you, but many who walked even in this in our generation. Who've done great works, who've done mighty works, who've done mighty deeds. They cast out demons, they healed, they did miracles, walked in signs and wonders. They're on our team. Jesus says, he who does a miracle in my name, he can hardly be against me. Uh, First Corinthians. Uh, I'll read it in the King James and then we'll close. Am I on the Lord's side? feel the nudge in my heart to read one more passage of scripture right as we're done to close it, not in my notes as well but I mentioned it earlier but I feel like I'm to read it 1 Corinthians chapter 3 again this is dealing with tribalism and it's not a part of the kingdom Paul writes, and I, brethren, could not speak to you. First Corinthians chapter three, verses one through eight. Could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. Listen to this. Why are we carnal? For where there is envy. <laughs> when I'm looking at someone else and I think they have more than what I have and I think they shouldn't why don't I have it envy I'm envying the gift of God on someone else's life I'm envying the life that God has called them to with not without appreciating the life that he has given me and what he has placed upon my life where there's envy uh where there's strife and divisions. It is our way. Oh, we have in, in the body of Christ, we have Baptists and Methodists and Episcopalians and Anglicans and we, we have full gospel, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Pentecostal. We have charismatics. We, we have non-denomination we have all of these sects and too often 
far too often. We look at each other as though we are it. And if you're not part of our denomination, you are almost a sinner before the Lord. Without looking at each other and saying, what is it that you have to offer that I can glean from and walk with him in a more full way? Just maybe. If we can remove the religion out of all of them and just take of the area that each one does extremely well. Maybe we might have a full believer, a more full believer. Maybe. Where there are envy and strife and divisions among you. We have believers in the body who both consider themselves Democrats. You have some and you have some who consider themselves Republican. And on both sides, they will say you will have Democrats who will look at Christians who consider themselves Republican and say, how could you vote Republican? And you will have Republicans who are Christian who will look at Democrat and say, how can you vote Democrat? Where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal, he says? Because the question isn't, am I this or that? The question is, am I on the Lord's side? Oh, uh, when, when Roe versus Wade was overturned, it was mighty apparent that many believers, those who were Christians, but yet they lean toward democratic voting, especially in large part in many, not all, but in many African-American churches, there was silence. Prior to that, there was a great uproar. But when Roe versus Wade was overturned, there was silence. But on the other side, in, in more churches that would consider them Republican and would be considered Caucasian or white, there was shouts of joy and glee. Which when you see the unborn spared and saved, you ought to shout. But he says, there, if there's divisions among you, Does not carnality exist? Tribalism. He says, are you not carnal and behaving? Listen to this. Behaving like mere men. And I'm not saying we should have celebrated the overturning. I believe so. Of Roe versus Wade in our society where it was pushed back from a federal level back to a state level. Because when it was passed, from my understanding, over 60 some odd percent of the states were against it, if not more, then. But I digress. Are you not carnal? Because the point is the differences of side and how we have dug our heels in 
but yet we say we're believers. But we're entrenched on our side. But again, the question is, who is on the Lord's side? Am I on his side? Joshua, are you for us? He asked the angel of the Lord or for our adversaries, our enemies. The angel of the Lord says, no, neither. And the Lord is looking for such in this life. Who will say that as well? That we are neither on your black or white side. We are neither on your Democrat or Republican side. We are neither on this side. denomination side versus this denomination side we are neither on your anti-vax or vax side we are neither we are on the side of the lord and his side only we are neither on the side of those who are pushing the agenda of lgt we are neither on the others who are saying we must war we are on the lord's side of truth And oh, I am aware that the Lord has a mind and a thought concerning these that are not popular in our day in our society. We are neither on the side of those who say we should tolerate sinners that we might win them versus those who say we should not. We are not on those sides of any tribe, but we are on the Lord's side. He says, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? The implication is that we're more than simply mere men. And we don't have time to dive into that. Verse four, for one says, look at this. I am of Paul. I am of this ministry in this church. This is my leader. This is the apostle I follow. Oh, we even separate along lines of titles we have to give people titles i'm i'm a prophet i i'm a apostle i'm this i'm that and basically what we're telling you is i don't have to listen to you nor do i need to submit to the spirit of god that is upon you and within you even if you are speaking his truth and his word in this moment because i'm of this and i'm that for one says i am of paul and another says i am of apollos he says when you do this when you separate along tribal lines and you align yourself with a man more than with the lord he says are you not carnal he verse five who then is paul and who then is apollos but ministers to whom you believed as the lord listen to this gave to each one The Lord set this pastor over your life and sent you there. He set this prophet or this apostle for your growth. He knew what you would need. He knew how he uniquely made you and he knows what your calling is. So he placed you here in this space, in this place that you might grow thereby. Not so that you could set up many shrines and temples to that movement or to that man while separating and drawing a line against others. No, no. Verse six, I planted, Paul says, 
but Apollos watered. We both had a part. But look at what he says. But God gave the increase. I did my job. I did what I was assigned to do, Paul says. Apollos did what he was assigned to do. But neither one of us could cause it to flourish without the hand of God upon the both of us. Without the hand of God calling us, being upon us, and favoring you and favoring us to cause the increase. Unless the Lord builds the house, they who labor, labor in vain. Verse 7, so then neither he who plants is anything, ah, nor he who waters. So neither, either one is nothing, but God, he is everything who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Hmm. And each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. There are fathers and mothers who've gone before us. They set the way. But the revelation of the Lord has increased and now we may know more than though what those fathers originally gave. Should we throw them out and say we don't want anything to have to do with us? No, we would not even have this measure of stepping into the revelation today that we receive had they, they not laid the foundation for us to see and the Lord to build upon. Tribalism. Whose side are you on? Tribalism is the work of the enemy to bring us to this place where there's no distinct uniqueness in us. There is no calling for we're all the same. Where he eliminates the mark, the image, and the likeness of God off of our lives. That we would be at war with one another. That eventually we would come into this place of captivity. Children of Israel, you will be taken to Babylon, to the land of confusion. And there, for 70 years, captivity. You will be one. You will be just like each other. No difference, no uniqueness. Last verse. Isaiah 55, verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He doesn't think like us. When we see divisions and war and all of the things around us, happening as they are I pray that we would pause and say Lord am I on your side Lord am I thinking like you Lord am I moving into your higher ways or am I simply living in carnality and acting like a mere man whose side are you on today it's a question that you must answer. We think that we are on the Lord's side, but we don't realize Jeremiah says that the heart is desperately wicked above all things who can know it. Jeremiah tells us in that verse that there are things we would think we would never do. We would never say. 
But we're unaware of the iniquity that lies in our heart and the enemy who is tempting us and pushing us in directions that we never could see ourselves and thought we would be in or do. Lord, am I on your side? Lord, what must I do to come back to being on your side? What must I do to have my heart burn for you and in your ways? that I am for you and neither for those who agree with me nor for those or against those who don't. Love your enemies, Jesus said. Right? Do good to those who despitefully use you and abuse you. Right? For your Father in heaven is good to those who are just and unjust. He causes his reign to come down upon the just and the unjust. Is it not what Jesus said? My paraphrase. Are we on the Lord's side? January 26, 2020, the Lord said to me, this is before the outbreak, a month and a couple of weeks before the outbreak that shut everything down here in our nation it had already broken out across the earth in china and other places but it was before we began to be shut down and the lord said to me tell my people that my love is all they will ever need so purchase love the father's love his love his way it keeps us from being tribalistic from choosing sides. The enemy wants us to live in this place of hatred that we choose sides. God wants us to live in love where we choose only his side. His love is all we'll ever need. His way. His love. He is love. So if I'm going to have love, I must come to the one who is it and purchase it from him. That I might choose his way. Choose his thoughts, his ideas. And not the sides that are being offered to me by CNN, MSNBC, Fox, and all the other news outlets and everything that is going on around me. The Bible says in Isaiah 11, 3 about Jesus that he would delight in the fear of the Lord when he walked the earth. And then it says that he would not judge with his own eyes or with his own ears. He didn't choose sides. He chose the Lord's side only. How many of us are judging by what we see and what our ears hear, naturally speaking? And the Lord says, my love, choose love. Out of love proceeds light, illumination, revelation. Choose love. And in that, I won't judge by what I see and what I hear happening in the earth because I'll judge by what love is saying because I've chosen his side Jesus said in that last days see that your heart be not troubled only when I've chosen his side only when I've chosen love and walk with him will my heart not be troubled I pray today that in Jesus name we would all allow the Holy Spirit to examine us and shine forth a light upon areas where we've cho- we've taken sides. 
that the Lord has not taken. But we have not fully taken his side in the equation. There are local elections going on, and I believe we ought to vote. We have one right now in our city. But I go vote neither Democrat nor Republican, but I go and vote as a king, as a citizen of the kingdom who's desiring the kingdom of God to be established here in my city, in my region, as it already is in heaven. And I pray we would do the same. Father, we love you. And we honor you. I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. I thank you for the word that has gone forth today. And I pray that it quickens us. I pray that it causes our heart to burn inside of us, that we will break down tribalism in any way, shape, or form inside of our hearts and lives that we might be found for you and on your side. I thank you for this day. I honor you. I magnify you and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. I thank you for joining us this day on Midday Burn. And I pray that this word of the Lord was for you, that not only was an encouragement, but it was a scripture to transform your life, a word to transform your life and lead you into a place of truly being on the Lord's side and his side only to break down the divisions, the tribalism, the categories that the enemy is seeking to place us in that we might be the unique expressions of the Lord in the earth so that he would have the just reward of his suffering. You've been listening to yours truly, Ronnell Tate, lead pastor of the Father's House Frisco and your host of the Father's Table podcast. This has been Midday Burn. May your life burn for him the rest of this day this weekend get into your house of the lord and worship him on sunday with everything may your heart begin to burn and you seek him in the realm of the spirit where he is through the avenue called prayer and worship may your heart begin to burn and your life reflect the burning nature of who he is everywhere that you go well we bless you we thank you for joining us this day and we can't wait to see you again next Friday by the grace of God. God bless you and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.